Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. Let's talk a little Big Sky basketball, though, shall we? The Grizzlies versus Weaver. What are you laughing about already? I'm just looking at the outline because, you know, we prepare so well for this show that it's just a surprise every time. You know, the show is prepared whether or not you've taken the time to glance at it is the other thing. Yeah, I'm saying this in in pure jest. (laughs) Uh, Coulter, Weber State got, I think they were two and six going into the game against the Montana Grizzlies. They just experienced a devastating loss to Montana State. Not so much losing to Montana State. Montana State, you know, is a team that when they're playing well is a very good team. But the way that they lost that game, where it looked like they had it signed, sealed, and delivered to get a win, a win that they needed, that being Weber State in Ogden when they were 2-5, and five, things weren't going well. They had finally kind of taken control, and then Harold Frey does what he does, and they're able to find a way to squeak out a one-point victory, Montana State. And it just looks like the whole thing might just be going sideways on Randy Ray and Weber State, which never happens. I mean, it just does not happen in Ogden, Utah. But it like, went sideways at the end of last year, and that's why it was concerning. Yeah, right. And it kind I mean, of they lost six out of eight. Over. I mean, they lost six out of eight down the stretch coming into the tournament. They finished eleven and nine, which for a lot of teams in the Big State Conference would be a great record. And for Weber State, it was the, their worst conference finish since the year that Jeremy Sanglin broke his jaw, and they finished eighth. So, but this uh, this is my point. I mean, they went eleven and nine, and it was. A very down year by Weber State right. standards. So at two and five going and then becoming two and six, you go, oh my goodness. That's why it was concerning, though, I think, for everybody involved, because I think internally people knew Weber State was struggling because they had such a variety of injuries. They Bad couldn't, injuries. They couldn't yeah. find any sort of continuity in terms of practicing together, playing together. Yeah. Because when some guys would be back, other guys wouldn't. Jarek Harding being hurt itself hurts you so much, but basketball is so delicate. It's not only who you're missing, but 
the guys that are available need to know how to play with each other. And when Cam Davis is in and out of the lineup because of this dislocated knee thing, his kneecap keeps dislocating, you never really know his status. Well, the transfer forward never even sees the floor who's going to be totally. presumably the number three guy. And maybe. you're playing three freshmen in rotation. You, yeah. just, you, you don't really know how to find that rotation. So internally, I don't think there was as much panic because I think they knew what the reason was. But externally, then you start speculating, well, these guys lost six out of eight down the stretch. These guys got destroyed by Montana in the tournament. Yeah. Now they're off to a bad start. So now you're talking about over their last Big Sky Conference season, basically you take the second half of last year and the first half of this year, and these guys are like 4-16. and 16. So then you're thinking, oh, man, what's going on with Weaver? But now Jared Harding's healthy. Cam Davis has figured out a way to at least mitigate the knee thing, and he's been in the rotation, and that gives them two huge shots in the arm. And now – they're the most, in my opinion, they're the most dangerous team in the league in terms of maybe being better than what their record is at this exact moment. No doubt, and I, I, you know, to go back to what happened, then Montana goes in there, who's the number one team in the Big Sky Conference, playing a two and six Weber State team, and Weber State manages to force overtime and hold on and get a win, and and. I'm not going to say that that game was the catalyst for this team because they've now won four of their last five starting with that win for Weber State. And they went from being two and six to now six and seven. And they are a game out, basically, maybe a game and a half out of the uh, out of having a seed in this tournament, out of having a bye in in Boise. I'm not going to say that that win like catapulted them to something. I think it's a lot more about getting healthy and then getting minutes and experience for their guys. But they did need a breakthrough, and they got it. And I think that they played I, – I do think that winning against the best team in the conference, you know, at least by record in Montana – was a confidence boost that this team needed because they kept knocking on the door. You know, they were like Idaho. They Idaho and Weber State had like the same record at this time. And Weber State finally found a way to break through against a, a good team, and Idaho never did. Like, you wonder what would happen if Idaho had found a way to win even just one game against one of the top two teams right. in the big sky and what that might do for your psyche where you finally, you know, okay, we can do this. We are as good as these other teams. He's close, you know, and, and Weber has found that way. But also you look at the talent and it's on, that's the other thing. This isn't just a, a plucky team that kind of figured it out. You're talking about a guy who I, I said yesterday and I stand by this is as of right now, he's my big sky conference MVP in Jarek Harding. Right now, the way he's going, the way he's carrying this team. And Cody John, who is, I mean, any team would be thrilled if Cody John was your definitive number two guy on the team. I mean, Cody John is as good as the best player on many teams in the Big Sky Conference playing as the uh, the Robin to Jarek Harding's Batman in, 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 at Weber. So, I mean, their, their one-two punch is as good as it gets in this conference. And so that also makes... The other pieces, the guys who aren't there, the freshmen that are trying to figure it out on the fly and all that kind of stuff, you know, you can buoy the ship pretty nicely when you got those two guys going for you. And regardless of if Jared Carter's to be the MVP or not, Jared Carter's the best scorer in the league. Would you yes, agree with that? I mean, yep. I think he's There's leading no the league. No question about that. I mean, the numbers are back. I mean, the guy, his game last week, yeah, he hit 44 points on 21 shots. Yeah. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Yes, it is. I mean, you went 14 of 21 from the floor. He's 5 of 10 from three. So you do the math. I mean, that, that means he was what? What was he from two? If he was 5 of 10 from three, he missed five of his shots, and he missed eight or seven overall shots. So that means he was 9 of 11 from two, and he was 11 of 11 from the free throw line. 
That's straight filling it up. Here's the thing. I'm going to say something that's going to make a lot of people in Western Montana, you know, who who follow this stuff, you know, mad at me, and that's okay. But he's a better fit. He's the best finisher around the rim of anybody in the Big Sky Conference. I think clearly the only other person in that conversation is Saeed Pritchett, who I think is as dazzling and and uh, natural and instinctive around the hoop as anybody I've ever seen. But he also has the advantage of being a foot taller than Jarek Harding. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not actual foot, right? He's like eight inches taller. But Jarek Harding, the degree of difficulty that he is presented with around the rim is is inconscionable and what he's able to do anyway. That's why I think he's he's just so impressive. Bridget's so good at leaning with his body and doing scoop shots and stuff using the glass and using the second and third pivot. I mean, he totally he, he's unbelievable. Well, yes, but he's almost always squared to the basket. That's the thing that's ridiculous about Harding. I've never actually seen anybody. The, the, you want to know who my NBA comp for Jarek Harding is? Sir, Goran Dragic. Mm. And do you remember Goran Dragic's little three year peak when he was with the Suns and then his first year rolling. at the Heat? Yeah, I mean, he was third team All NBA once, yeah. which is amazing. For, for a guy that doesn't get nearly enough fanfare, in my opinion. But Dragic, he, he's got such a great first step. He's got such good stutter in, in the way he, that he drives the basket. But it's when he's going full speed and he goes all the way underneath the basket and just throws the ball behind his head and it goes off the glass or it goes into the hoop. Kyrie Irving is so good at the from the ankles and, and you know, from all over the place. The Uncle Drew, the old school scoop right, stuff. Right, right. But as far Buckets. as the, the reverse layup is such a lost art. Driving the baseline and getting to the other side and using the glass behind your head. Jarek Harding is ridiculous yes, when it is. comes to that shot. That's the thing that makes him so hard to defend is now that he has learned how to make threes. If he's making threes in that game, you have to defend it. Yeah. If you close out on him hard, it's over. So he's no, getting to the hole. The, 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 the fastest first step in the Big Sky Conference and no if answer buts. By the way, just as an aside, to tell Nuan is 1029 ESPN Radio. Gordon Drogic. For sure, should be the name of one of the pet dragons and how to train a dragon. Like, that is, that's too good to be an actual real name. That's got to be made up. You know, Coulter, the online world is complex, and it's even the more complex when you have a business that's online. And let's be honest, every business is online in this day and age. How nice would it be if you had a company that could help you make your business demands simpler and the approach easier to understand while also making it secure? One of the great books ever written, Eric Hoffer, The True Believer. One of the theses in this book is man of ideas and men of action. Sometimes the men of ideas need men of action. We need help. We need help with all of the logistics of technology. Boy, do we. I got nothing but ideas, and I got no clue how to do any of this other stuff. So that's why you call our friends at Blackfoot. Blackfoot Communications are your men and women of action. When your business online needs help, needs security, and needs to, frankly, just stay functioning. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. Ensure that your company is online all the time. Get the people of action from Blackfoot Communications. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. Yes, go ahead. Just some statistical affirmation here for Jerry Curry. Right now he's playing 37.2 minutes per game in Big Sky play since he came back from that ankle injury. He's 108 for, for 218 from the field. So he's shooting 49.8%. you got to remember, this guy's a 5'10 guard. That's right. This is not some center. I mean, 5'10", 
I'll I'll take I'll take the under all day long. And they list him at six feet too. If you've ever no. if you've ever interviewed him, I mean, he's he's way shorter than I am, and I'm just shy of six one. I mean, he's yeah. he's short. Yeah. He's definitely short. But shooting thirty three point seven percent from three, which for a guy with his first step is a phenomenal number. But then it, here's where he's really taking the next step. He's shooting ninety one percent from the free throw mm. line. So his efficiency is phenomenal across the board. He's averaging 24.6 points per game in Big Sky Conference play, which is by far the top total in the league, averaging 22.8 points per and, game overall. And tell how many times is he getting to the line? I mean, because this is a guy who... Well, 55 free throw attempts in uh, 12 conference games, but some of those games were a lot less... Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he got, getting a lot less minutes. He's gotten to the line he's getting there into about, the teens of times well, right. in a couple individual he, he's games. He's getting there 10 or 12 times over the last four weeks, or four games, excuse me, since he's been healthy. The game before the Grizz game in Ogden was the first game that he was really healthy. Mm-hmm. I would only, I mean, he's quote-unquote played in 12 of their 13 right. big sky games, but as right. far as when he's 100%, it's only been about six or seven that he's been 100%. And, and this is the thing, like, you know, okay, go back a little bit here, but Steve Kerr, right, one of the great, well, any type of shooter we've ever seen in the NBA, but certainly he's just a, a never-going-to-miss type of guy from the free-throw line, but he almost never went to the free-throw line because he's just a spot-up shooter who isn't driving the the lane. Jarek Harding could get to the line, I mean, t- sometimes at will because he's so quick with it, so good in in the paint, and uh, and, and forces the issue. And, and so he gets to the line all the time. So then to be 91%, I mean, that's a weapon, man. That's an absolute weapon. Uh, by the way, or no, we uh, talked with uh, Coach Travis DeCure yesterday before practice. Asked him about this very thing. Montana, the game in, in Weber. Uh, Weber got that win. They've gone on to win four of the last five. So the question is simply, what helped them turn the corner uh, to go on this run where they're back in the mix in the Big Sky Conference? Well, it's the same three guys scoring the ball, and those guys have been healthy all year. Uh, I, I think the big thing for them is they've gotten a little better defensively, um, and I think that they have more confidence. And, and sometimes success here and there adds to confidence, uh, and they've won the right games that have kind of led to that, and now all of a sudden they're dangerous. You know, it's so interesting when, he, when Coach DeCure talks about confidence, and, and I mean, I'll relate that maybe to something that I said just about they got the breakthrough. You know, they got the breakthrough against Montana, and now all of a sudden you as a group believe you can do it. It's interesting, Coulter, to me. I was thinking about this. I'd like to talk to somebody who's in the sport about this a little bit. But if you talk to any, just about any one of these individual players, confidence is not an issue. Right. I mean, you don't need to worry about whether or not anybody on any of these teams thinks they're pretty good at basketball. They all know they're good at basketball and then some. But it's still an odd mm, confident. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Like they all know they could go dominate the intramural league. Well, it, it's I think there's a distinct difference, though, between confidence and confidence in your role. Because if you're living in a state of delusion, like if you think you're really good, but you actually aren't really good at what your role is on the team, that's where I think you really struggle. And we've seen that with some of the middle to bottom half of the league teams in the big sky. When you got a dude who knows he's talented and is talented, but isn't doing what you need him to do, but then he's saying, oh, you're just being a hater. You're not recognizing my talent. That's yeah, toxic. Exactly. And, and it's not maybe confidence in the role, but acceptance of whatever that role is because the belief is that they're maybe better than what the role they've been given is or whatever. But I guess it's interesting that a team 
can sort of lack confidence, even though it's comprised of a group of people who are utterly confident. I mean, almost across the board. You don't make right. it to Division One basketball by playing with some sort of timidity or fear. And those guys get weeded out in 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 a hurry, okay? It just doesn't really happen. And so, you know, that's that's and it's real. I like I buy all of this, both of these things, and it's interesting that they happen concurrently and certainly maybe did for Weber State. And maybe that's part of being young. We'll hear from Josh Vasquez tomorrow. And he was asked about what was your welcome to the big sky moment. He's like, I knew I could play here. I knew I was good enough to play here. I don't care that I started one and nineteen. I knew I was gonna get it going. Also, I didn't really realize how physical it was going to be. Right. I wasn't really prepared for getting a shoulder put into my chest and taken for a walk down the lane. And that is, you know, that that doesn't change anything about what you think you're capable of as a basketball player, but you there is an adjustment of playing Division One basketball, period. And Weber State, much like Montana, this is true, right? These two teams have the most number of freshmen playing major minutes for their clubs, right? Is there anybody else who's got this many freshmen going for them? I don't think so. Dave Spriggles played a couple freshmen. It's a good question. There's a lot of transfers, though. There's a lot, there's, there's a lot of transfers. I mean, Idaho, Idaho is new, but they're not young. That's right. Uh, Portland State is new, but they're not young. Southern Utah is not really as new as they usually are. I mean, have if been, you're looking for freshmen, either. I think these are the two That's youngest true. teams, at least in that respect. It's true. Your theory there is is very an interesting one, too, because I do think that individual confidence, team confidence, and the confidence in your teammates are three distinctly different things. And I agree with your premise that most of these guys have great individual confidence. I think that the one spot where you see guys that don't have that much confidence in themselves a lot of times is the young big guys. Because a lot of times if you are that 6'9", 6'10", guy that came to the big sky, it's because you're lacking something or that you you are a developmental player. I mean, we've seen it at Montana the last couple of years. I mean, the biggest issue that Kelby Kramer had before he left the University of Montana was his, just his confidence in himself, right? Mac Anderson's yeah. turned a huge corner the last three weeks because of his re- renewed confidence in himself. It's just the simple things, catching the ball and dunking it. I mean, it, it was a it was a struggle for Mac Anderson for a little while last yep. year and early this year. Now he's really turned the corner. But the collective confidence of the team, I think that anybody that's ever played on a basketball team, it's not about how good guys are. It's about how well you fit together in terms of your roles. And so like Kendall Manuel's shooting, he's gone through two different shooting slumps and then come back out with two different shooting scorching hot streaks, yeah. right? On teams that don't get along, the shooting slumps, all of a sudden now, when you're the other guys, you're like, bro, stop shooting it. Right. Bro, you can't hit a shot. Give the ball up. Whereas this team, in the Eastern Washington game, Saeed Pridget told Travis Takir, call a timeout and run a play for Kendall. And then yeah. he did. He comes off a screen, he strokes a three and gets fouled. And at that moment, it was his second made shot in nine field goal attempts, and he finished the game with 18 points. Filled it up the rest of the game. That's where the confidence in each other. That's where it really breaks through. Yeah, your point about like what if Idaho would have won a couple of those games? I think that you know, we we were sitting there touting the stat when Idaho was one and five. They had lost their five games by a combined total of thirteen points. No league loss by more than four. Well, now since then they've lost I think four times in the last six games by more than by ten, digits, yeah. including getting blown out twice. 
you're never going to find the 2-18 and 18 team that lost every game by four points. Yeah. Because after you lose six of them, you're That's just right. like, all right. That's right. We're not doing this anymore. What's the point in fighting? And the other thing, just comparison-wise to Weber State from early on, because they did have the same record at the bottom of the conference. Right. Weber State's just better. I mean, they got oh, more absolutely. talent than than Idaho does. Let's hear from uh, Saeed Pridgett. He was also asked essentially the same question. What's Weber State doing well right now, particularly coming uh, out of having already played him one time? Uh, this game would be it means a lot. It's been us playing a Weber has been a big game in the past. So just knowing that, like, like I said, when, even when Damon Will was here, the game was big. So just just knowing that we got to bring our big boy shoes and be ready for it. Yeah. So sorry, that, that's more about why is this game? What's what's important about this matchup here in the middle of it? And he's talking about look, man, the history between these two teams. Forget about it. I mean, it goes all the way back to Damian Lillard and Will Cherry going head heads up, you know, uh, for 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 conference championships, for tournament championships. Uh, uh, Travis DeCure was also asked about Randy Ray and just Randy Ray as a coach. He's the longest tenure coach in, in the Big Sky Conference on the men's side of things. And these guys have matched up now for a lot of years together in some big games and some meaningful games and two of the, the most historic programs uh, in the conference. And so the question is, aside from personnel in a given season, what makes Randy Ray's teams good year in and year out? Win. Um, you know, at the end of the day, when you think Randy Ray, Big Sky Basketball, win, right? Uh, but his teams have always been tough. Uh, they've always been confident, and then they've always been prepared, which, you know, him coming from the coaching tree, you would expect nothing different. So there you go. I, and, you know, again, he cites their teams that play with confidence. You know what I mean? And it's, it, it, is there a difference to you, Coulter, between playing free and loose and playing confident? There is a difference. I think that it's also about the style of your program. Yeah. I think that Travis DeCure's teams are often never going to play free. Mm. He's an incredibly structured coach. That's, yeah. I mean, it. Travis, some people might say it's a, it's a weakness, but to me it just is what it is. It's who he is as a coach. Some people might say that they could have been better the last couple of years if they would have played free and got out and run. But the, the style that he implements into his players and just the way he coaches it's it's just caters to having massive amounts of structure discipline is one of the number one tenets of their entire program on and off the court yeah and so you don't want to delineate from that because i think that is what sets them apart that's why they're the one team in the league that plays their butts off 20 games out of 20 games in the big sky but then a team like eastern washington free-flowing equals confidence when they're playing tight and structured, they're not good. Yeah. They need to be playing free flow. So I think it's all about the identity of your team. You know, if I could make just like a boxing analogy here for Travis DeCure, I think he has believed more or less that in, 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 in basically every game that he's been in the Big Sky Conference the last number of years, that his team has been the more talented team, has been the better team just man for man. And so when he's managing the team and going out trying to figure out a way to win, if you're a boxer and you're a heavyweight or whatever that's just better than the other guy, all you have to do is be smart about how you go about it. Now, you could go in and just let the weather fly and go toe-to-toe, and you'll probably win in spectacular fashion nine times out of ten. But there's one in ten where you catch it wrong and you're laying on the canvas because you just – 
you know, you just went out and 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 tried to put on a show. Whereas if you just do the thing that you need to do to get to a unanimous decision after 12 rounds every single time, you're going to win every single time, regardless of whether sometimes it's by knockout, sometimes it's by decision, whatever it is. And I think that Travis DeCure manages basketball games in that same light, knowing that if we do what we do, we will win this basketball game. We're the better team. And I don't need to get out here and try and figure out ways to just you know, make it look sweet or do things that are outside of our DNA or open it up. And obviously every game plan, I mean, there's plenty of games that they've been wide open. I mean, they scored 109 points for crying out loud. Wasn't that what it was? Because North Dakota buck nine. I mean, so they've played plenty fast and plenty free at various times. But I think that goes to cure recognizes that, that if he just goes in and lets his guys play within the scope of a plan for that game, according to that plan, they're going to win the game, you know, well, with the highest percentage in the history of the program. How's that? So that's that's pretty good. And so it's pretty tough to argue and say, well, you know, play, but also playing free, not just with the inside or outside the structure of called plays or whatever, but without the the tentativeness of it, playing with. That's what I say, playing with confidence and playing free are sort of the same thing where you go, you're not scared to take any shot. You're not scared to do the thing that you need to do, worried about, okay, well, maybe I'm going to get yanked. Maybe I'm going to get yelled at or whatever. You probably will get yelled at at some point. Certainly you're going to get yelled at at some point. That's the the way it goes. But I think engendering confidence while also implementing your will as a coach is sort of an interesting line to walk. That's why I find this Grizz team fascinating in a lot of ways. And a lot of people might think this is sacrilegious to say because the last two Grizz teams have been so epically talented, with at least within the scope of the history of the program, that I find this team a lot more fun to cover and analyze. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, Coach Decure, this is here's the thing that I would say. Coach Decure yells at these guys a lot less yeah. because they, <laughs> they follow instructions a lot better. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe there's not the history of relationship in some cases too. But that's yeah. true. Yeah, that's true. And and, and also, and as as Bobby Moorhead said when he was in with us last Friday, you can check it out on one two ninety ESPN dot com, the podcast, as well as Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts around the web. Like Moorhead said, Decure's going to challenge you to your face, and then once he realizes you're going to go back at him, then all of a sudden you've reached a new level of communication with him. And then once you stop taking it personal. He's always going to challenge you. And so then, I mean, I'm look, I always look at this picture that we have right behind you mm-hmm. of the last two years ago as Grizz team with Fabian Krizlovic as a senior and then all those other guys as juniors. And, I mean, I coached Takira used to yell at Michael Ogine and Jamar Coe just to straight up get him going, right? Like, it wasn't even that Michael Ogine wasn't following the instructions or anything. He's just trying to get Mike to go crazy. And yeah. oftentimes he would. Yeah. Or, you know, say, Jamar, you're in foul trouble. Stop screwing around. Get back in there. Give me eight straight. And Jamar would, you know, drop, step, dunk yeah. over and over again. And yeah. so a lot of it was tactical to challenge guys. But off, got to go. I mean, think about how much less he's yelled at Timmy Falls this year. Think yeah. about how much less he's yelled at this group of freshmen than all the freshmen he's had the last couple <laughs> of years. And I think it's because these guys are doing a really yeah. good job. I think that they sometimes forget what gives them success. And that's yeah. his biggest point of contention. But and maybe there's a little offseason self-scout there for the head coach, too. Totally. You know? But I do, I do think that... I think that if you were to get him to tell you the absolute truth, he's loving coaching this team. I think so. I think so. Stu Tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll do some trivia with you. Right now, let's give away a little bit of 
Can we give a little bit of teriyaki to the people? 329-1899. Call right now. We got $15 to Dobie's Teriyaki downtown. Proper Seattle style. Teriyaki and rice bowls. Steak and onion in there if you want it. Veggies, the whole deal. You go down there, you get it. It's a great deal. Right downtown in Stockman's Bar. Dobie's Teriyaki. 329-1899. 15 bucks right now uh, from us. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll do some trivia with you. Coulter's got some questions on a wing at Wednesday. We'll get you some wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern. Grizz, Weaver State questions. Call us, 329-1899. Okay. All right, all right. We'll get all that right now. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. They got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. You were at the the Will Cherry, Damian Lillard game. I uh, The second one, I actually was not. Oh, okay. I was, it, I was at Torrey Pines. In Las Vegas, Nevada, it's a Grizz sports bar, f- about a sixty dollars. <laughs> it's like Tor- it's, no, not Torrey Pines, Pines the golf course. No, not, not no, no, not Torrey Pines the golf course. Torrey Pines, the Grizz sports bar. It's about a sixty dollar cab ride from the Strip. But if you can ever go watch a Grizz event that's happening live at this place, it's it's like walking into Missoula. You have all sorts of Grizz memorabilia. Oh, and, interesting. So I was there for my brother's twenty first birthday. And, ah. we, and we threw down hundred bucks each on the Grizz to beat <laughs> Weber. I think the Grizz were like six and a half, maybe seven point dogs because mm-hmm. Weber had Lillard and mm-hmm. Will Cherry. And a hundred dollars, by the way, at that time for you was like a million dollars. Well, this was actually when I was a, I was a young professional. So oh yeah, the, right. You were working for Daily your brother, more. I was working at the Ellensburg yes. Daily Record, so I, uh, <laughs> you know, I was making about eighteen thousand dollars a year. I was rich. This is actually the richest time of my life this decade, this last decade <laughs> until the last year. Uh, no, but my brother is the same grade as Will Cherry. Mm-hmm. So, and so when my brother's playing Grizz football, Will was playing Grizz hoops. And so they were in the athletic department. They're, I, they, they're friends. They're, they're buddies. And uh, so when Will was... So you're admitting your brother committed NCAA violations betting on NCAA games? No, no he, Graf. He, I'm not because he was not playing for the Grizz anymore at that time. That's right. Their paths crossed. My brother had to retire before this then game occurred. Before his 21, 21st birthday. Yep. Um, Plus statute of limitations. Right. <laughs> Plus who cares? Uh, break every NCAA, NCAA rule. I mean, break every NCAA rule for all I care. <laughs> I mean, the moment that they called my family up and said we were offering illegal benefits for cooking steak dinners for Grizz football players, that's a whole different... Uh, they're really they're harassing Missoula moms that were feeding kids. Like, get get out of here. Just go to hell. Regardless, when Will Cherry's slapping the floor and shutting down Lillard, and I mean, Lillard's got steam coming out of his ears. He's so yeah. mad. Yeah. 
is is awesome. It's one of the great viewing experiences I've had in my life. Very good. And then we won the bet too, so we could afford the cab ride home. Hey, what a deal! You could get back to the hotel. Uh, That's a that's a good way to go about it. uh, No doubt. Stu Tell Nuanas one hundred two ninety ESPN Radio. Okay, we're gonna circle back to the. uh, If you're scared, call us now because I'm hearing that people might be scared about my questions because they're sometimes too hard. These are the easiest questions I've asked on this show. Okay, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back three two nine one eight nine nine if you want to do a wing it Wednesday. Also. We're going to be giving away corn tickets. Looking forward to that show very much. We'll talk about all of this next. You know, Coulter, the online world is complex, and it's even the more complex when you have a business that's online. And let's be honest, every business is online in this day and age. How nice would it be if you had a company that could help you make your business demands simpler and the approach easier to understand while also making it secure? One of the great books ever written, Eric Hoffer, The True Believer. One of the theses in this book is man of ideas and men of action. Sometimes the men of ideas need men of action. We need help. We need help with all of the logistics of technology. Boy, do we. I got nothing but ideas, and I got no clue how to do any of this other stuff. So that's why you call our friends at Blackfoot. Blackfoot Communications are your men and women of action. When your business online needs help, needs security, and needs to, frankly, just stay functioning. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. Ensure that your company is online all the time. Get the people of action from Blackfoot Communications. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. Going out of the phones, we welcome in Tim to the show. Tim, congratulations. You made it in for a little trivia. How are you? Good. Well, I'm glad to hear this, Tim. Now, are you a, are you a Montana and or Weber State basketball fan? Uh, I'm a, a Montana uh, Grizzly fan, yeah, definitely. Okay, good. So that's good. That that will that should bode well for you because those are the questions Coulter's got topically since the, the Grizzlies are hosting Weber State tomorrow uh, in Missoula. So here's the deal. Three questions for you. If you get two of them right, you got yourself a basket of wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern, the finest wings in the city of Missoula. I'm a sweet teriyaki guy. I'm just offering that unsolicited uh, uh, piece of advice from me to you. Okay, Tim? If you go to down there you check those out if you get all three you get a shirt if you need help on any of these i am your lifeline all right okay boy some chicken wings would really hit the spot tell me likey tell me what wingy all right tim here we go coulter question number one all right tim number one we're gonna give you a softball to get you rolling Mm. a little bit who Mm. won the last matchup between montana and weber state uh weber state did Weber State did. That is absolutely right. 87-85 in overtime in Ogden, Utah. You are correct. One for one, one down, two to go, one lifeline in the bag, and uh, just one more to get some wings. Number two, Weber State and Montana have the two most tournament appearances, NCAA tournament appearances among any teams in the Big Sky Conference. Who has more, Montana or Weber State? That's the, I think I will take my lifeline here. Okay, I don't know the answer for this to this a hundred percent, but I I would be very surprised if it's not Montana. I mean, Montana has gone how how far back are we going, Coulter? Here on this, it goes all the way to the beginning of the Big Sky Conference, nineteen sixty three. Okay, I mean that that changes it a little bit, I guess. Um, I mean, the Grizzlies had like twenty years 
in the you know in the late seventies through the eighties where they didn't go to the tournament. I don't know who went if Weber State was just racking them up at that time. Uh, certainly recently, Montana has gone a lot more uh, than than Weber State has. Uh, I tend to think it's the Grizzlies here. I really do. Although, but again, I'm I'm not a hundred percent. I don't know this for a fact, Tim. Okay. Well, I remember back in the day, I think Weaver State had a coach by the name of Neil McCarthy. I think that when I first came to go to school here, that was really good. But uh, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with uh, Montana. Man, this is sort of this is a what are you doing to me, Coulter? The, the, I, 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 say I, don't say, I shouldn't say Tim's, it's a trick question because it's a cut and dry question. Weaver State has been to the tournament 21 times. Mm. Excuse me. They've won 21 regular season conference titles. They've gone to the NCAA tournament 16 times. Montana actually surprisingly has won 11 conference titles, so 10 full less regular season conference titles, mm. but has gone to the NCAA tournament 13 times. So Weaver State has gone three more times, but what a terrible Weaver State line. has only won the Big Sky Conference tournament Ten times, mm. whereas Montana, every single one of their NCAA tournament appearances, except the first one, was after winning the Big Sky tournament. Nineteen seventy-five, oh, when they went to the NCAA it. tournament, they didn't have yeah the Big Sky tournament. Yeah, right, right. Okay, all right. Question number three, then Coulter. Question number three. Name the Weber State head coach who is the all-time leader in wins in both overall as well as in-conference play. So the all-time leader in Big Sky Conference history in overall wins and conference victories. Weber State head coach. Did I just name him? Just you did not just. Yeah, I will give you a hint. You did not just name him. <laughs> uh, is it the current head coach, Coulter? It is. I, I think the current coach is Randy Ray. It is. I, I'll go with Randy Ray. Ray Ray is correct. In 14 seasons at the helm of Weber State, he's won over 250 games, and he's won more than 200 a Big Sky Conference play. Ray Reyes could correct. And Way Tim, to sidestep you... a very, very bad lifeline and get yourself wings anyway, Tim. Doing it on your own strength. You don't need anybody else. These 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 dopes on the radio don't know anything. Congratulations. Give your information to David there in the back. We'll get you set up with the wings to the Desperado, all right? All right. Thanks, guys. You got it. Great work. There you go. Just like that. Get Get himself some wings to the Desperado. Is that right? So 16 to 13, huh? 16 to 13, how, yes. How many? How, Weber State had an incredible run in the late 60s and early 70s. Okay. Like, like he mentioned, I mean, Dick Botta was there, um, and then Neil McCarthy was tremendous there. Neil McCarthy went 206 and 105, including 92 and 56 in Big Sky Hours play, so winning about 67% of his when you, games. When you go 2 to 1, W's to losses, it's you're getting it done. Um, So Weber State... Went to the NCAA tournament 1968, 1969, 1970, 1971, 1972, 1973. Right. So, so that is six consecutive times. I feel less bad, you know. Since the since the goes. institution of the Big Sky Conference tournament in yeah. 1978, Weber State has been then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. What was the last? Twelve times. What was the last time Weber State went? 2016. 2016, they were there? Yep. Okay. That was when they had Jeremy Sangle and Joel Ball. Joel Ball. Ball. And they beat the Grizz yeah. in the conference title game in Reno. It's 2 tell to 1. It's 1029 ESPN Radio. Okay, here's what we want to do. Okay? We're just, we're, just, we're just giving it all away today. Okay? We got a bunch of tickets for you. We got several pairs of tickets for you 
to go see Corn and Breaking Benjamin on the 23rd of, of uh, this month, this next Sunday at the Adams Center. We're going to give you a pair of tickets here in just a minute, okay? So we'll just, just hold tight over there. But Coulter, in uh, you know consideration for this show, this is interesting because I am your senior by about eight years, eight, nine years, something like that. No, six. How old are you? I'll be 33 in about two months. Okay. So and you're just, eight years. you just turned 39, right? Eight years. Seven, eight, seven, eight years. Which is the same amount, roughly... Well, we're only like six about, years. About, about, we're only six years apart in high school years. Mm-mm. You graduated nineteen ninety nine. I graduated two thousand five. Six years. Yeah, but you're smart. You know, you were way ahead. Anyhow, the you are like nine years ahead of our buddy David Graff over here in the back. Mm. And so we I don't have. Even know how old are you, Graff? It like 24, 25? Turned twenty four last Halloween. Twenty four. Damn. So you're young. The the. Uh, the corn lifeline you talk about you talk about generations music generations are far shorter they're like dog right. years so know? david how old were you in 1998 3 that was when my little sister was born 3 years old when the new metal turn happens and you got i mean we know the bands that are involved in this whole thing right let's talk about this just for a second but yeah go ahead Be- because I think that the way that music evolved with the rise of mass media is so fascinating. You have rock and roll become a thing in the 50s, and mm-hmm. the DJs are playing it, and Elvis is ruling the world, and then you have the British Invasion and the Beatles, and, and it's a fever pitch. And then in the 70s, I watched this, you know the CNN docuseries where the, it's about yeah, the decades, the decades and sure. it is 45-minute deals? Yeah. It's such great American history. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. But the one about music and television, the episode is fascinating, and they have this stat in there that record sales doubled movie sales, sports ticket sales, and one other factor of entertainment, I can't remember, but like the other three main factors of entertainment in America, all three of those combined record sales were greater. Mm. That's how much people loved music and buying records. Yes. In the 80s, you have music videos. In the 90s, I thought it was so fascinating, though, how everybody wanted something different and then when something different became mainstream, then it would become, it, it would be exposed ad nauseum. And then all of a sudden that, what was so big that became a parody of itself. Yes. First it was grunge. And then all of a sudden Pearl Jam went from icon to people are just making parodies of Eddie Vedder, making fun of him. You know what I mean? And, and grunge is not necessarily the best example because it actually resonated a lot longer, but there were so many different disco little trends in the nineties that happened, it wasn't the 90s, right? I know. I mean, but. but, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. gangster rap, and then that turned into like bad boy hip hop, and then all of a sudden Puff Daddy's the king, and then all of a sudden he's a joke. When the late 90s, when it turned, and all of a sudden there was like, for lack of a better way of describing it, pop metal, like Limp yeah. Biscuit and Corn and, and all of these bands. Corn never really had the pop element. They just were popular because of other people like Kid Rock kicking down the door. But it was one of the funniest evolutions in music because then all of a sudden on TRL and MTV and stuff, you went from having Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera to these dudes are just straight thrashers. And this is not, it was never even intended to be mainstream. And then all of a sudden it is. And guys like you are just raging and loving it. Throwing myself into the, into the masses. I remember when corn came out, when, when they had freak on a leash in the mid Mm -hmm. nineties. And that was like a, epic animated music video. Yeah. It was like their first 
crossover breakthrough. And then they were going to release Issues, which is their biggest album. I think it was 1998-1999. And at that time, that was at the height of when parental advisory stickers had to be put on the records. Yep. And I remember being like 13 years old, 7th grade, and wanting that album so bad. And my mom, not going to buy it for No me. chance. No way. It's got like a doll with a knife in the side. You know, like on the she's cover. listening now. I know that for sure. And <laughs> she's horrified by what's transpiring in this very moment. <laughs> so I got my neighbor, who's older than me, he's, he's about your age, yeah. to go down to the record shop mm. in the mall and buy me two records. I remember I gave him 20 extra bucks. I was like, man, I need Dr. Dre, The Chronic 2001, <laughs> and I need Corn Issues. And I yeah. got these things like smuggled to me, like bootleg style. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's an amazing album. And when I, I mean, we get the first news of every show that's coming to town, right? Yeah. Because of our association with the trail and the U and the great music stations that we have here at Missoula Broadcasting Company. But this was probably the most surprised and surprisingly elated I was of any show that's coming to Missoula. I, obviously, Pearl Jam was one of my favorite bands. So when they were going to play Washington Grizz, that's great. Yeah. But I just never thought in my life that Corn would come to Missoula. Well, here's the thing. Corn and I think Rob Zombie played in Butte. I mean, maybe like two years ago, three maybe. I mean, they were they were around, and I was sort of you know ref, just disappointed in myself for just not making the trip over there. But the other thing too is, a lot of bands, regardless of the genre or whatever it is, you know, they they're when they're twenty years in, that's you know, it's greatest hits tours, or a lot of these bands are playing albums like the twentieth anniversary of whatever record, and they're just going and playing that record all the way through for people and stuff like that. 13 studio albums uh, for Korn, one in 2019 that they're actually touring this new record. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's pretty remarkable. to And they've gone through many, you know, iterations. And, you know, Brian had Wells left the band for a while, you know, had a, well, literal come to Jesus-like time and still, ha you know, is and the, the whole thing. And so then he comes back and gets reintegrated into the group. And now they're making music again and doing the thing. And it's just pretty remarkable. I mean, for that stuff, this is like, look, man, when you're, uh, you're five kids from Bakersfield, California, doing whatever you do as a kid in Bakersfield, California, which you can imagine what that might've been. And all of a sudden you just start jamming. And then you're, this guy starts growling like a dog and your bass player is, you know, just banking this thing around and you're off you go and the next thing you know you're you know selling millions of cds and touring around like there's no way that's going to go that well right for a while and yet here they are and i mean you know what you, you can you can read whatever histories you want to and think about whatever it, here's the th interesting thing to me even though it got massively popular right there's still a very big segment that are just horrified <laughs> horrified totally. by this music or whatever and and a lot of times things that people found sort of shocking at one stage like i don't know that anybody finds snoop dogg shopping shocking anymore i mean he's doing shows with martha stewart you <laughs> right, know right 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 and right so you know i i don't know you think about all these things you put them all in there but i i think that there's still like a there's a very real edge and angst that you can, we can talk about this from an artistic standpoint or whatever that I think, you know, you delve into a certain musics, certain arts, certain whatever that, you know, resonate with people, don't resonate with others. People find it compelling. People find it revolting, whatever it is. But uh, I think that uh, I think it's worth the show. And speaking of, 
we'd be happy to send you right now. 329-1899. 329-1899. Pair of tickets to go see Cord and Breaking Benjamin, by the way, opening up for him. 329-1899. Got a pair of tickets for you right now to go to the show fri- uh, Sunday, February 23rd at the Adams Center, a week and a half from now. We'll take a quick break. Be back. Hour number two, straight ahead. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 